listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenologyclub. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Greetings, listeners. It is I, Death. (laughs) Happy birthday to me, bitch. It's the Ides of March. It is my birthday. Everybody, please say happy birthday to me. Because it makes me feel so good. I've put my Venmo and my PayPal in my birthday. <laughs> in my birthday. I put my Venmo and my PayPal in the description. Because I'm here to beg for money. Please throw your money at me. I am approaching death. Give me a super chat. Because <laughs> that works now in here. Thanks to everybody who's given me a birthday present. A financial birthday present. That's very nice of you. I really hate people asking for money on the internet. Um, honestly. But it's my birthday, so I feel like it's okay to do that. As long as I grovel simultaneously and make it known that I find the very practice of groveling and begging for money on the internet itself to be very unpalatable, then then that's okay, right? <laughs> It's it's also not even that asking for money itself, I think, is so unbecoming. Because, you know, a lot of all of our various beggings for money to each other, I think, are for reasons that are, like, totally warranted, you know. I have a bunch of uh, dental work I need done that I can't afford, you know. I was thinking, like, maybe get a GoFundMe, but I just don't want to. Because even though I think many people would be happy to help me get that dental work done... Uh, I need a root canal. I'm in pain. Actually, it's okay the past few days. But it's also like contributing to the reality that we even have to beg each other for things like getting cavities filled and shit. Isn't that so sad? Even though I know that, you know, it's not some bad thing I should be embarrassed of that I'm too broke to afford thousands of dollars just to not be in pain for cavities and shit. Um... I don't want to contribute to this reality where we where we all have to beg each other. It makes me sad because you know what? You might need dental work too soon. And then what? If you give me your money, then what about your money for when you need dental work? What if I don't have money to give back to you? It's not an effective system. It's not good. We got to fix shit out here. It's up to us. Anyway, it's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. It's also the Ides of March, a day that I think is very marked by death. And like I said in the one episode, I forget which now, maybe it was the mortality, morality of medicine upload. 
I find that I've always had a very deep affinity for the Ides of March as a historical event. I, it always resonated with me. I assume because it was my birthday and from a very early age I latched onto the knowledge that Julius Caesar was murdered by his good friend Brutus among others uh, and that always just really resonated with me. These grandiose themes of death and dying Perhaps this is part of why I have such a flair for the dramatic. I'm so dramatic. I already cried today. <laughs> I feel like I cry every birthday. Maybe that's because I'm a woman and I'm ruled by my emotions. But, you know, I'm not someone who cries very often. But I cry like I cry. I cry in the face of grand narratives like birthdays. <laughs> it feels good. I also cry like inexplicably sometimes I'll be watching a beautiful film and some amazing camera mo movement will happen and it's almost visceral like have you ever seen get someone get hit by a car and you just immediately start crying it's like almost like an instinctual response that's how I feel sometimes when I'm watching a movie that has like a beautiful <laughs> camera movement my body just starts crying cuz like I just said I have a flare for the dramatic. I'm so dramatic. So not only is it my birthday, I'm inching ever closer to death. Not only is it the Ides of March, a historical date marked very much for uh, its, its relevance. It's the theme, the, the overarching theme of death and murder and betrayal, but also we're in the midst of a pandemic. Isn't that fun? Death is on all of our minds, maybe. Or it's just, it's especially on my mind today for all of these reasons. You know, it's funny. I put a picture of the Grim Reaper in the thumbnail. The Grim Reaper actually is a character, this personification of death character that came about during the bubonic plague. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, now you know. The reason that the Grim Reaper wears... Um, the robe is because the robe is uh, emblematic of the kind of religious robes that the clergy of the time were wearing as they performed things like final death rites and uh, funeral rituals for the dead, all of the dead from the disease. And um, the Sith, is that how you say it? Sith? Any of you farmers? Sith? That's a Sith, right? I don't know what the fuck that thing is. The sharp object that this man's is holding, or maybe it's not a man's, who knows, it's a skeleton. We'll never know. Uh, I assume it's a dude. <laughs> Dudes be out here killing people. So do women. Fuck it. Fuck it! But, um, the Sith is representative of this, uh, of this process of plucking, cutting life from the earth. Cutting it at the root and it wilts and dies death death you know who else who else's birthday it is today it's also david cronenberg's birthday one of my favorite favorite directors i've probably said this before but david cronenberg is one of my favorite directors because well he's one of my few favorite directors because he's one of the few directors I feel who really has established for himself a very strong unique aesthetic you know I have lots of favorite films 
and only a few of them are Cronenberg films, but but even out of my favorite films, I feel like a lot of them don't necessarily represent directors that have their own very strong, unique aesthetic, you know. Like Blade Runner and Alien are two of my favorite films ever, but I don't really feel comfortable calling Ridley Scott one of my favorite directors, because when you consider his entire body of work, no offense to the guy, but I don't feel like it's very consistent as compared to somebody like David Cronenberg or Orson Welles or John Woo, who are my favorite directors. Even though, you know, I think some of their movies are not that great, but as directors, they maintain a coherent aesthetic that I feel is very strong as a coherent body of work. <laughs> So happy birthday, David Cronenberg. We love you. Do you guys believe in astrology? I don't. That's no fucking secret. All of you astrology nerds can suck my fucking dick, even though I don't have one yet. Um, but I have to say, I've, I've, I've said this before too in that spirituality upload that I did. That um. I am intrigued, no matter how much I am skeptical and averse and outright reject astrology itself as some spiritual system where we can divine information from the stars and other astronomical relationships. I still think that there is something compelling to the idea and the theory that perhaps your birthday does in many ways shape your personality and I think that this is for practical reasons first and foremost I mean just as I was saying a moment ago the fact that I was born on the Ides of March from a very early age ever since I became aware of what happened on the Ides of March I latched on to this aesthetic and I feel like it very much shaped my personality and I imagine that this is likely true maybe even for somebody like David Cronenberg you know I mean Julius Caesar got murdered a long ass time ago. I wonder if David Cronenberg as a young boy, a young little Canadian boy, whistling and while he fucking worked, if he also was thinking about Julius Caesar and Brutus and grand themes of death and dying and art. David Cronenberg has a super fucking boner for art. Um, you should all watch The Italian Machine, by the way, if you haven't. His short film, you can watch it in full on YouTube. There's only shitty transfers, which is very unfortunate. Um, but I love that film. I think that that film, that's my favorite Cronenberg film, actually. And it's only about 13 minutes long or something. But I feel like it's his artist statement. It's really all about how, you know, ultimately things are defined by their purpose. It's about these motorcycle enthusiasts who are trying to break a motorcycle out of this art collector's museum where he has just taken this incredibly rare and amazing motorcycle, this Italian machine. That's why it's called the Italian machine. And they want to, they have to come up with a ridiculous art plan, basically. <laughs> some, some art strategizing to break this fucking motorcycle out of the gallery because they want to ride it. The main character considers it a fucking travesty, a fucking disgrace that somebody could take such a beautiful machine, a machine that exists to be ridden, and put it in a gallery for what? To be looked at. And that's it? No, fuck that. Elizabeth Wages, I like astrology and buttress. I respect your opinions. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Look, you know, I harbor all types of uh, 
of little conspiratorial things in my heart, in my little fucking heart, that I think are also silly. I, I don't really think people who are into astrology are the dumbest of the dumb out here, okay? I respect you all, too. I think it's funny. We should all make fun of each other in the spirit of laughter and joy. That's definitely a thing that I think has been lost a little bit, you know? We can all respect each other while simultaneously clowning the fuck out of each other. Am I right? I think that that needs to come back a little bit. I'm from New Jersey, uh, and I'm in the part of New Jersey that's just west of New York City. So, you know, I, uh, I'm definitely a part of this culture of East Coastness where I've, I find that a lot of people find much joy in just calling each other fucking ugly and stupid without it being necessarily personal. And I feel like this has created some conflict in my life. Maybe for people who are not from this part of the world, I don't know. I, don't, I, ca I can't tell exactly how much of a regional thing it is. But I find that, you know, I, I, it has created some conflict in my life. I'm sorry. If I ever make fun of you, I'm fucking joking. Make fun of me back, bitch. Stop being such a fucking pussy, okay? Anyway, before I get into it, let me just finish that thought. Um, yeah, this, this book, I spoke about it a little bit in the spirituality upload, The Secret Language of Birthdays. It's the first time that I ever really felt like, hmm, maybe there really is something compelling to the idea, not of astrology, because you're never going to sell me on that shit, bitch. I'm sorry, you just can't. It might as well be Babu Jeebus bullshit. It's not going to happen for me. But I am intrigued by the idea that uh, the day you are born, I think, will probably shape your personality in many ways. And I think that the ways it can shape your personality are incredibly subtle and complex, I'm sure, uh, in many ways that we're not, in, we're not really cognizant of. And that's part of why, you know, well, not part of why, but I think it makes sense, too, that I am so interested in phenomenology, because those of you know, those of you who do know, will know. That, you know, much of what phenomenology has to do about is studying, trying to study rather, and trying to create a language to study all of the various ways our environments are influencing us on a physiological level even. All of the things that affect our cognition before our cognition does things like creates language so we can articulate back to ourselves the things that we think we are perceiving and how we are perceiving them. You know, I was born in the spring. Also, you want to hear the story of my birth? It's not really a story, but I was delivered by a team of handmaidens. <laughs> Doesn't that rule? No man touched me on my birth. There was no doctor. It was a team of women. And they pulled me out of my mother's womb. I said, bitch, this bitch has a pointy ass fucking head. Oh my God, my head was so pointy. It was like bizarre. My mom thought that there was something wrong with me, she said. She said she was disappointed when she saw the shape of my head. <laughs> mom, how dare you? Mom, if you're listening, I'll never get over when you told me that. That hurt me deeply. God damn it. <laughs> she also tells me this story how, um, like the night I was born or something. I guess she, <laughs> I don't know what happened. She said that she went into the room where they have all the babies, you know. And she was chilling with this baby. She was like, oh, I love you, my baby, my baby. And then a nurse came in and was like, that's not your baby. <laughs> my mom, I guess, was in such denial about having this pointy head ass bitch. Uh, 
that even after knowing that I was the one with the ridiculous shaped head, she still just couldn't deal with the truth (laughs) and was in here cuddling other people's babies. Also, my name was Kelsey for, I think, about 24 hours. I'm so glad my name is still not Kelsey. No offense to the Kelseys, because I think Kelsey is a very cool name. It's especially fitting for, like, tall Scandinavian women, which maybe my mom thought I would become because we're Norwegian, which you would never really know from looking at me because I'm only five foot two. I guess our other European genes, like, cross-canceled me ever being some tall, blonde Viking bitch like my sister's. Um, we have different fathers, though. I'm getting deep right now, damn, sorry. (laughs) But I guess she thought I was going to be a Viking, so she named me Kelsey. I think Kelsey really fits for these Viking types. Um, but she was in a room with some other woman at this, like, Christian hospital cult thing. My mom had me after, like, spending time in this, uh, seminary school because she got... (laughs) I'm just going to air out my mom's history. Uh... She she wanted to get right with God because she got pregnant with uh, some fucking Guido from Jersey who did a lot of cocaine. She was like, I can't live this life. I need to get right with Jeebus. So she like went and stayed at some seminary school with all these creepy ass Christians. So I guess that's why the woman staying with her in the hospital, which I think was affiliated with this creepy ass Jesus school, uh, was going to name her child Bethany. But I think she ended up having a guy. And my mom was like, oh, Bethany, never heard that before. You mind if I just take that real quick? <laughs> my mom has no tact. Once people meet my mom, they really, I feel like it really starts to make sense how I am, how I am. Because even though we don't really resemble each other in like many ways, I mean, she is like, no offense to my mother, but like she is not, she, she doesn't like like, to read or anything like this she's very jersey i'm a big fan of wendy williams particularly because she reminds me of my mother my mom is basically the white wendy williams so there we go i i feel like i'm a lot like wendy williams too so like you know all of this other stuff me being into philosophy and phenomenology and deep shit and stuff clearly i still have like a hard exterior and a irreverent exterior I feel like that's that's Jersey. That's Wendy Williams. That's my mom. Anyway, it's my birthday. So that's my excuse for just talking for 15 minutes about stuff that's not really about death. <laughs> Let's talk about death. Death. How do you guys feel about death? Death is so, so, so... Hmm. There's so many, so many feelings. So many feelings that come to me when I think about death. Death, I feel like, is one of those things that really poses, to me anyway, um, the uncomfortable truth of the reality that not everything that is philosophically justifiable or rational is going to feel good, you know? Because what kind of popular attitudes exist about death, you know? On the one hand, I feel like there is this kind of pure avoidance of it. People don't want to die, which I think makes sense. They don't want to die in their rational minds because I think that's a reflection of our very physiology, which does not want to die, you know? Everything in your body, whether or not it's doing this in a way that you might consider active from a scientific sense or whether or not it's just the natural byproduct of all of your biological systems but everything in your body does not want to 
die, right? So I think it makes sense that by the time we come up with a language and articulate back to ourselves everything that we experience in our observable reality, of course, we don't want to die. Why the fuck would you want to die? Nothing in me wants to die, you know? So I think that this is part of why we see such an avoidance of death in cultures across the world since the dawn of civilization and before. <laughs> and then some, you know? Why do we come up across cultures with all of these different ideas about the afterlife and ghosts and spirits? I mean, I think the reasons are complex and you can hear what I think about some of them in my where the fuck are all the dinosaur ghosts upload. <laughs> like the fact that we tend to anthropomorphize a lot of external phenomena. I personally think that this is a physiological process. You know, when there's some, uh, we often feel like there might be someone standing behind us, for example. I don't think that that's like, um, something that's necessarily rational. I feel like that's largely a physiological impulse, you know, things coming up behind you. Your body is kind of like, I think it's kind of just like checking because like I said, your body wants to stay alive. So I think it makes sense that we anthropomorphize a lot of external phenomena. Like it could be a person trying to kill me. Bah! Who's behind me? Who's in the corner? But I think that, you know, when there ends up not being anyone in the corner, then we're like, well, why did I feel like there was someone in the corner? Maybe it's a ghost. Maybe when I die, I won't really die. Maybe when we die, we become ghosts. Maybe we go to heaven. Maybe we go to nirvana. Maybe we do this, do that. Wait, speaking of nirvana, it's my birthday, so I'm going to get off topic again for a second. Last night for my birthday in the Phenomenology Club Discord, I wanted to do something extreme so what i did was changed everybody's username to max and made everybody delete their profile picture so we were all max <laughs> and it got heavy fast like people people want the singularity to to be near but we experienced in the phenomenology club discord last night the singularity we all became max and it was distressing it was very distressing there was there was a lot of distress going around so it's my mission now to warn you all that we should be running away from the singularity at full speed <laughs> that's kind of relevant to death anyway let me continue sorry death death so on the one hand we have like this extreme avoidance i would say um and i'm not necessarily writing out the possibility that nothing happens after death even though i personally harbor no such feelings that there is anything after death but of course you know in the interest of science we want to consider all possibilities so if there was some if there was some reason to believe that perhaps something follows death then of course we should investigate it but i just this is why i don't personally believe in anything following death because i see no reason to pursue that possibility you know i think that all the reasons we do pursue that possibility are founded in pretty rational observable things like what i was just speaking about you know the fact that on a physiological level even we begin to feel as if there are beings around us when there are no such beings you know i think that these are parts of parts of why and also the fact that everything in my biology does not want to die of course it makes sense to me that people will rationalize well i won't die i'm not going to die you know um thanks kill alters I don't know if that's Bonnie or Nico or both. I saw that you're quarantined. I love you guys. Stay safe down there in New York City. Everybody go listen to Kill Alters. Amazing fucking band. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you again. Stay safe. 
Uh, so on the one hand, I feel like people avoid death in this extreme way. On the other hand, I'm also not okay with this attitude. Well, it's not that I'm not okay with it, but I'm, I'm skeptical, or maybe not skeptical, but I don't understand it. That's how I'll say it. I don't understand this attitude that I think arises on the opposite end of the spectrum where people just act like, I accept death. Death is fine. And they even make jokes. They even laugh. And we'll be like, I want to die. It becomes funny, you know, which I personally think is just an ulterior way to avoid something. The fact being that you don't really want to die. You don't think that it's funny that you're going to die. You don't understand what the fuck any of this shit is. But of course, it feels better to say I accept death. But I think also a lot of people come to accept death or at least say verbally signify outwardly that they accept death because... Because it seems like we have to come to something satisfying within ourselves, right? This is part of the problem. This is why I say that I think thinking about death in particular really illustrates for me the futility of a lot of how we approach philosophy. And not just philosophy, but the philosophy that underlines a lot of our other institutions as well, like psychology and stuff. A lot of what we do with our ideas is try to reach satisfying conclusions more than we want to reach truths, you know. I think with philosophy in particular, it seems like the attitude a lot of us have, myself included, is that ultimately the truth will be something that I find satisfying, you know. So if the truth is that nothing follows death, then the rationalization has to be, I am satisfied with death. I find death satisfying. I accept it, you know. But, I mean, I think that this is kind of a useful thing to meditate on. It has been for myself because it really illuminates for me how this is kind of a problem, you know. I don't think that I have to be satisfied with death even if I can rationalize that it's an inevitable conclusion to my existence, you know. So fucking what? Does that mean I have to be satisfied with it? I don't think I'll ever be satisfied with the reality that one day I have to die. But I think that that doesn't mean that I won't, you know. I'm not going to avoid this reality. I'm not going to tell myself I accept death. I'm also not going to come up with lies to ease my pain at the reality that I'm going to die. I'm getting choked up over here in a way that I think is like nice, you know, <sighs> I'm crying. <laughs> I don't want to die, bitch. The fuck? But I'm not crying because I'm sad. <laughs> I'm crying because it's beautiful, you know, because thinking about death just <laughs> Oh, I love it It makes me think about how much I love being alive, you know <laughs> I love being here with all you beautiful people It's awesome <laughs> So, 
thank you for being here with me <laughs> in this awesome fucking trippy ass motherfucking world. I don't think that anybody has to rationalize that they have to be okay with dying, you know? I think dying sucks. But I think that the fact that we hate dying and don't want to die is testament to the fact that everything within us wants to live, you know? And I feel like that's something that we should really embrace wholeheartedly. So we can remain positive in this reality. <laughs> you won't ever die. You're a god, says Caitlin. Caitlin, thanks so much. Thank you. So are you. <laughs> that's another thing maybe I'll talk about briefly that I think can become a bit of a trap too you know um something I struggled with a lot personally because like I said you know I was born on the Ides of March to a team of handmaidens I have these grand origins I've always entertained ideas of drama and greatness human innovation all this shit greatness achievement um, I think that, I think that, I think that we also kind of get hung up in these ideas as well, in a way that kind of resembles how we try to avoid death, you know? Um, I think that even the greatest among us will be forgotten, and I think that the greatest among us have many of them have already been forgotten. I think that for every Albert Einstein, for every Hildegard von Bingen, for every Isaac Newton, especially for every Hildegard von Bingen, cause you know, as a woman, not to, not, not, not to get dark, but ladies, I think that it's especially hard for us when we look at the scale of human history and we observe all of human history and find that we don't have many female role models, you know, we have a few, but I think that, you know, that greatly impacts us, especially those of us like myself who are so talented, but know that there has to be so many talented women throughout the scale of history. They have to exist. There's no way they didn't. But the fact that we don't really get to see them, to me, suggests that many of them died in obscurity, you know, and I imagine that that fucking hurt, you know, knowing that you had so much to offer the world and the world just didn't want to receive it from you. But even this idea, I think, is beautiful and meditating on the futility of everything as far as it relates to fame or celebrity or being remembered. The fact that so many amazing people have come and gone and will never know their names, you know, I think that it, it's sad in one le on one level. It might make you feel as if everything is futile, but at the same time, to me... Again, it's a testament to human strength and perseverance, you know, and it's also a testament to the reality that everything we do, I think, is ultimately not for ourselves. It's true that we want to be remembered. And I think that for some people, this desire does manifest in a way that resembles something like vanity, you know, I want people to see and acknowledge me. I think that's can be understood as vain, but it's also normal, you know. We want to be recognized for our achievements, but at the same time, ultimately, I think everything that we do, we do for other people. Of course, we do it for ourselves as well, because we're also other people. We're all Max. <laughs> but it's true, even, even the most self-led individual 
or the one you might call vain or selfish. I think even this person perseveres because their love for their self is rooted in their love for all of us, you know. I think everything we persevere to do is really for all of us, even a thing like making art, which, you know, I've said many times, <laughs> I find to be in 2020, increasingly more so, especially in America, to be a career choice that I find to be a little bit vain uh, for many people anyway. But even a thing like art, you know, I think we make it out of a love for the collective group of humanity, you know, even if we don't really think of it this way. And I think lots of people have selfish motives and stuff, but, you know, to think of all the great figures throughout history, the ones that we do remember and the ones that are lost forever, that, you know, we never came to know their names and we never will. You know, you could be one of them. Maybe I'm one of them. That's cool, too, you know. I find solidarity in thinking about these people, the women especially, but also the men, you know. There's probably been so many people that really did amazing things. We'll never, ever know their name. We might never know their accomplishments, or maybe we have come to know their accomplishments in ways that we don't even really realize, because what is celebrity or fame, you know? A lot of who we choose to be the celebrities for any chosen time period are really just icons or avatars they're kind of emblematic they function as symbols of a time period but i would say that they themselves don't really exist only as individuals even though we kind of think of them this way you know to think of somebody like da vinci one of our most revered historical figures not only for his contributions to the arts but to history and science and math you know if he came out in 2020 he wouldn't be Leonardo da Vinci, you know. The reason that he's Leonardo da Vinci and we all look to him as this avatar of something is because he's not just Leonardo da Vinci. He doesn't just stand for his own accomplishments. He stands for the accomplishments of his general time period, you know. Everything that he did was significant for its time, and we respect that. And it's true that I think we might come to wrap up a lot of his accomplishments within our understandings of him as some lone individual figure but um but i think that you know like i said he's he's an avatar for something bigger than himself and i think that that's true for all of us you know so so even though it's totally normal to want to be seen for your talents and your accomplishments and to be appreciated by your peers i think that it's comforting to remember that Everything we try to do is not just for our own good, but for the benefit of all of us. And I think that that is reason enough to keep doing it, you know. So don't give up, even though death grows ever near. <laughs> Grace Alejandra says, let's get together after death, all of us. Yeah, actually, in the Phenomenology Club Discord, we set up a meeting place for those of us who die from coronavirus. If we do, we're all meeting at the Union Station in Chicago um, by the Greyhound entrance. I don't know how ghost travel works. I don't know how long it takes. Do we have to walk? Can we fly? Does anybody know? If we can fly, I imagine we'll be there quicker. I don't know about our international people. You might want to take the scenic route. You know, when I'm dead, I'm going to be walking the ocean floor and shit. Shit, if I'm a ghost, damn. Find me in the marina trenches, bitch. That's definitely where I'm going. 
<clears throat> Phil Mitchell says, just because everyone will eventually be forgotten doesn't mean they didn't exist, though, and even them existing is pretty cool. I agree. I find a lot of, uh, a lot of solidarity when I meditate on this. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining me for this chat on my birthday. Pretty monumental. I just cried. It felt good. I love crying. It feels so good. I'm going to go watch David Cronenberg movies. Like I said, if you want to donate any money, feel free to super chat me. Maybe I'll buy a pizza for my fucking birthday. Maybe I'll save it so I can get my cavities filled. Um, I love you all. Please join the Phenomenology Club Discord for only $1. Um, and you can all be max when we do our next singularity simulation. That was pretty fucking intense, gotta say. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you for that little nose ring. <laughs> Your username's hilarious. Oh yeah, please give it a thumbs up. This was short and sweet and just me crying. Feels nice. Feels real good. <clears throat> I love you all. You're great. And please stay safe. Wash your fucking hands. Make sure that you listen to your coronavirus healing frequencies. And everybody, happy Ides of motherfucking March. Come into the Discord. Seriously. I think I might have a movie screening later. Maybe we'll watch some, um, some Brutus adaptations. Those of you who don't know, I make music, and Brutus is my most viewed video by far. Not by far, by far, but by far. Actually, yeah, by far, by this point. Some community found it that makes, like, cat sex videos. <laughs> no shade, but all the shade. Sorry, I don't know what's up with you people using my video for your cat sex depravity. Please stop. Please don't do that. This song has nothing to do with cats or cats having sex, so just don't do that. But, um... Brutus, I think, uh, or Julius Caesar, the play by Shakespeare, is something I've been rereading recently. I only read it once in high school. A lot of people say that Brutus, my song, is based on the play, which it, it really isn't. But I didn't really, I don't think I understood until I went back and reread Brutus recently how much actually the play, I mean, I reread Julius Caesar, how much the play itself actually impacted uh, some of the artistic decisions I made in writing that song. Because I know we all liked his shit on Shakespeare because apparently he was a plagiarist or something. I don't know if he really wrote Julius Caesar, but that play really is genius. I gotta give it to the guy. I think that it's so beautiful, this story of Brutus's inner turmoil in grappling with, with the... Uh, with the fact that Julius Caesar is his best friend, but, and this is very relevant, I think, a little, <laughs> it's relevant to what I've been talking about in here today. Julius Caesar is his best friend, but what's more important to him? His best friend, this individual loaned human who he believes has become corrupted by vanity, or all of us, the totality of the civilization of Rome, you know? And ultimately, he has to make this decision between his best friend and all of the rest of us, Rome, the public, you know? And, uh, you know, in the song that I made, Brutus, I gave it a feminist twist. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Brutus from the perspective of a female uh, and I feel like the application is really kind of multi-layered, you know. And this idea has so is something that I've always really grappled with. 
maybe more than anything else in all of the inner turmoil I experience in my experience of being a woman, you know, the fact that I feel like everybody expects me as a woman, everybody expects women to love people more than I can love an idea or the idea of all of us, you know, and we literally see explicit uh, factoids quoted that like harp on this very idea. I think of Jordan fucking Peterson, that motherfucker who I think is like dying or something, in which case I'm sorry, whatever. I can feel bad for anybody. I hope that he's okay and in okay health. I don't give a fuck. He's just a man on the internet. I really don't wish death on anybody, honestly. But, um, you know, quoting this factoid that men are interested in things and women are interested in people. And at face value, I feel like this is an idea that a lot of people, especially men, will not understand exactly why it hurts women like myself on such a visceral level to hear these kinds of things repeated in the world because I feel like this has always been the opposite of how I feel you know I obviously love people I'm up I'm up here on the internet crying about how much I love fucking people but I love the totality of all of us you know I love the idea of people the idea of humanity all of us I would happily live in a cave without exposure to any individuals for the rest of my fucking life if I felt that I could do something that benefits the group you know I love ideas and I love people more as an abstract entity I feel like ultimately you know I'm not ruled by individual relationships I'm also lustful <laughs> for for these grand narratives of human greatness and achievement and ideas and innovation as you can fucking see so it very much hurts to hear these kinds of factoids repeated and this is part of why i feel so much solidarity with brutus in particular and part of why i felt that his story at least the shakespeare version of it was such an apt vehicle for me to make this song brutus about my experience as a woman Anyway, thank you everybody so much for listening. Thank you for the super chats. Feel free to donate me money. <laughs> I put my Venmo and my PayPal in the description. Uh, I'm not begging. I'm just being obnoxious on my birthday. You're all great. I love you all. Thank you for being here. Join the fucking club. We'll probably watch Julius Caesar later. And stay safe. Wash your fucking hands, okay? You dirty motherfuckers. Oh yeah, and give it a thumbs up. Thanks guys. Love you. Goodbye.